Welcome, you are listening to Lyrical Audio Candy Tour, also known as Lyrical Act, ACT. This is where we explore books, poetry, and quotes that please every taste. So, come on, let's go. Let me hold your hand. Literary treats await. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2020. How are your holidays? How was your New Year's? Did you manage to get through it without any uh, alcohol? Hmm? All you sober curious people. I managed to get through without any major alcohol. Um, (laughs) Two days before New Year's Eve. I came home and I saw my husband cracking a beer open. I thought, you know what? And I had been debating this for a couple days. I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to share a beer with him. A beer. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. And it felt right. It actually felt right. It had been, I really should look at my calendar. I'll tell you, I'll calculate the days and how long I had been on this journey of mine. We'll figure it out. Um, so that was nice. It felt good. It felt celebratory. Um, we're doing some remodeling in our house, and it just felt right. And then I went to crack open that second beer, and I took two sips, and I was like, ugh, I'm starting to feel sick. And yeah, so I gave it to him, and I'm like, you know, I'm actually done. Um So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I've actually been avoiding podcasting for the last, I don't know, a week or two because I've been trying to wrap my brain around how I felt about that experience. I knew one day would come where I would sort of test my control and um, see how pure alcohol would actually make me feel and whatever, but um, we'll talk about that in detail. And then also I wanted to read a couple passages from that book I told you about a couple episodes ago called Story of O. Um, It's about a submissive woman who essentially is enslaved by her dominant. And um, it's a very interesting book. Um, But I do want to read a passage that may apply to pretty much anybody who is in a relationship where they feel that maybe the other person has a little bit, I don't want to say too much control over them, but a lot of sort of power over them. Could be a regular relationship, could be somebody who's in a codependent relationship, could be a DS relationship, whatever. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So hang tight. For a long, long time, starting this journey, I had thought about moderation and moderation brings its own set of problems because you're setting rules for yourself and one of the true signs of having an issue is that you have to set rules one I was talking to my sister on the way home from our shopping escapades today and um, one school of thought would be well everybody has to set rules like you're on a diet the cheesecake's in the fridge you know, of course you're going to set a rule 
that you can't have that cheesecake when you're on that diet. It's staring you in the face. You really want the cheesecake. Just like the beer in the fridge. Uh, it's staring you in the face. But the rule is that you can't have it. Right? It's easier just to say, no, you can't have it. Now, what if you had moderation as something in your life? Moderation. Okay. Let's talk about cheesecake. <laughs> you can have a sliver of that cheesecake. Just a sliver. Just a sliver. Nothing more. What's on your plate is all you get. But you know it's in the fridge, right? That's how I liken moderation to alcohol in the fridge. You know you can have that one beer. But do you have the control to not go back to that six-pack and finish it off? Hmm? Which leads me to the quote that I found on sober underscore mamas, which is spelled M-A-M-A-S underscore rule, R-U-L-E. I love this woman. If you really want to go on a sober journey, she is a very inspiring woman. Listen to this quote that she had on her Instagram page. And let's just think about this. This is by St. Augustine. Complete abstinence is easier than perfect moderation. Complete abstinence is easier than perfect moderation. And I would have to most likely agree with that because with complete abstinence, you're not following any rules. You just know that's not your life. And I say this because what happened to me the day after I had broken my abstinence rule, kind of, um, that night after I wanted to drink again. And then the next night, I really said to myself, oh, maybe I will have a beer. And then the next night after that, which I, abs I abstained, of course. So it's this every night thing where all of a sudden I, I popped that, <laughs> I popped the top. The Pringles can, you know, once you pop, you can't stop. I popped the top of the Pringles can, and I kept wanting to go back. And that's that vicious cycle when you have sort of a problem with something is that um, it's hard to say no. But if you forced yourself into saying no for so long, it just becomes part of your life. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. So here I am. I still debate it. I still debate it. Is that... Is that a, a, an addiction or is that just a normal human trait of wanting to feel that buzz? I don't know. And I don't claim to know all the answers. I'll probably never know all the answers. But um, all I know is that I have I've done better things with my life since I've stopped drinking so much. And here's another quote that... You know, if you get discouraged with yourself, which you do if you have things like that that happen that kind of test you. All right, this is on her page as well. Never discourage anyone who continually makes progress, no matter how slow, even if that someone is yourself. 
I have made such progress. I mean, I don't want to like come off as the serious person, but tonight I am kind of serious because it's just been something I've been thinking about. And, um, you know, sometimes in life you have to take inventory of your life. Like, why is this going shitty in my life? Like, what's going wrong? Why am I showing up to work right on time or one minute late or whatever? Don't you have to take inventory of your life and say, well, how can I make that better? You know, maybe I got to do something different in my life. So I know, I know I've come very far. And you know what? I can even do better than this. That's why I'm going to start weight training a little bit harder than I am. Because you know what? (laughs) I'm a strong woman. I have a funny story for you in the next segment. Actually, it's not that funny, but it's it's an inspiring story. One sec. Okay, fear of failure. We all fear failing at something, don't we? This is this is the new year. This is the new year. New year's resolutions, we're trying to be better. We're writing out our lists of I I want to do this, I want to lose 15 pounds. I want to do this. Blah, 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 blah. So we all have goals, right? And then we try to have like a plan of attack. If you don't have a plan of attack, you will never reach that goal. You will never do it if you don't have a game plan. I mean, that just makes sense, right? But I think a lot of us don't even start things because we're, we're already fearing a failure at something. So why start it? You know, say you're extremely overweight. Say you have 50 pounds to lose, maybe 60 pounds to lose. Okay. And you want to lose weight, but it seems so unattainable. Like, how is this going to happen? How in the world am I going to do this? I've tried it before. I've failed it. I've tried it this way and that way, and I'm grasping for things, and I can't figure it out. I keep failing. So then you, you stop, and you don't do anything. Oh, I think that's one of the worst things you can do. Because all of us, if you have a food addiction, if you have alcohol addiction, if you have whatever, shopping addiction, all of us are in the same boat. We're in the same situation. We're wearing the same shirt and hat. Okay? We all have made attempts. And congratulations to us because we keep trying. You know, we're not giving up. And I think that's the key. You just need to keep trying and you need to keep trying to figure out what doesn't work. And you know what? Eventually you will find something that works. But sometimes you have to be honest with yourself. Like when I I was doing double classes, I kept gaining weight, right? I was the biggest I ever was kept gaining weight. I kept doing double classes, trying to work, 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 work. And I kept gaining weight. I'm like, what's my freaking problem? And when I really sat down and looked at myself, I said, in all honesty, it's, 
it's the alcohol that you're drinking that's making you fat. It wasn't the few pieces of chocolate I was having at night. It wasn't, you know, the little plate of chips and cheese here and there. No, no, no. It wasn't your lack of exercise. No, it had to do with the amount of alcohol. And also, if I really wouldn't... I'm having trouble talking tonight. If I really wouldn't have sat down and been honest with myself, I wouldn't have lost the 12 pounds that I've already lost. Okay? So the same goes for you. It could be your sugar addiction. It could be, (laughs) it could be, maybe you don't exercise, you know? If you want something badly enough, you can do it. You just have to have a game plan and stick with it. Okay. Um, it's been three and a half minutes and I forgot to tell you my story. <laughs> okay. My story, fear. So my sister says, we just bought a toilet and I need you to help me carry it into the house. It's about a hundred pounds. And I'm like, I can carry 50 pounds um, in like, <laughs> in the form of a, a bar, you know, like a dead belt, a dead, whatever the fuck it's called. One of those bars at the weight rooms, but I don't know about a toilet in a box. Um, so I'm having all this anxiety. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to get hurt. I'm just starting to work out. I don't want to gain any more weight from the holidays. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm fearful. So we go into her garage my niece is there and I'm like, fuck it. Let's just do this. She's getting the dolly, which I'm thinking we need. Right. I'm like, let's work smart, not hard. So she's getting the dolly. Meanwhile, I fucking grab the box. I'm like, screw this shit. So (laughs) I grab the end, the one end of it. I'm like, Hey, this, this is not so bad. So then my niece grabs the other end, you know, she's, she's very thin lean and she's she's managing it you know she's a trooper so we're carrying this it ended up being 85 pounds so it wasn't as heavy as I thought but still I mean here I built myself up thinking oh my god I'm gonna fail like there's no way I'm gonna get hurt and if I would have just jumped into it just jumped into it and did it I wouldn't have been having such anxiety about it so the same goes for you have a game plan. What was my game plan on the carrying of the toilet? Um, I was just praying to the porcelain gods that the toilet wasn't going to be too goddamn heavy to the point where I'd drop it. Um, But if it was hard, say I would have picked up the end and I'd be like, wow, this is really goddamn heavy. You know what I would have done? I just would have muscled up and just tried harder. That's pretty much all you have to do. Just try harder. All right, moving along to the passages I promised you. Okay, hang tight. Okay, love is not always happiness. No, love can make you downright miserable. Isn't it true when maybe the other person isn't giving you enough love or you feel like they're maybe becoming distant or whatever? Sometimes that other person can have such power over you. And uh, this little passage in the story of O by Pauline Réange 
um, expresses that that power expresses how that power affects her. Okay, here we go. All right, let's start where it's talking about her, um, how she had several lovers in the past, and how everything changed when she met her man, Renee. Okay. Or the fact that she'd had several lovers, if one could call them lovers, nor her hardness, nor even her courage had been of the least to use her when she'd met Renee. In the space of a week, she became acquainted with fear, but also with a certainty, also with anguish, but also with happiness. Renee threw himself at her like a pirate springing on a captive, and she reveled in her captivity, feeling on her wrists, her ankles, all over her limbs and far down into her hearts and bodies. Secret recesses, bond subtler, more invisible than the finest hair, stronger than the cables in which the Lilliputians made Gulliver prisoner. Bonds her lover would tighten or loosen with a glance. She was no longer free. Yes, thank God, she was no longer free. But she was light as a nymph goddess, swift as a fish in the sorry, swift as a fish of the deep, forever doomed to happiness. Doomed because those powerful strands, those thin cables whose ends Renee held in his hand were the only lines by which the current of life could reach her. I love that. It's very interesting. It, it's such a poetic way to talk about somebody's power over you. Yeah, he could loosen the bonds with a glance. He could tighten or loosen the bonds with a glance. Think about that. Wow. Okay, there are a few more in here that I want to read. I just got to find them. Hang tight. Here, the next passage that I wanted to read was actually just the paragraph below. <laughs> so I could have kept going. Oh, well. That was so true that when Renee slackened his grip upon her, or when she imagined he had, when he seemed distant, or when he retreated into what O took to be indifference, or when he let some time go by without seeing her or answering her letters, and when she thought he no longer cared or was about to cease loving her, everything came to a halt in her. She languished. She smothered. Green grass turned black. Day ceased to be day, night to be night, becoming instead infernal machines, which made light alternate with darkness specifically in order to torture her. Cool water made her nauseous. She felt like a pillar of salt, a statue of ash, bitter, useless, and damned, like the salt statues of Gomorrah. For she was guilty, a sinner, those who love God and whom God abandons in the dark of the night are guilty. They are sinners because they are abandoned. What sins have they committed? 
They search for them in their memory. She would seek for them in hers. She would find nothing beyond silly little self-indulgences, which derived more from her acts of kindness or personality than from anything she had done, such as trifling with the desires in men other than René, to whom she paid attention only because of the happiness René's love gave her, only because her happiness at belonging to him filled her with joy, and abandoned as she was to him. That submission made her vulnerable, irresponsible, and all her insequential, <laughs> sorry, insequential acts. But what acts? For she could only reproach herself with thoughts and fleeting temptations. Yet the one thing was certain, she was guilty. And without wanting to, Renee was punishing her for a sin he knew nothing about. For it was entirely an inner sin but with which, I should really re-record this, but I'm not going to, but which Sir Stefan had detected instantly, her wantonness. Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah, her wantonness. That's that neediness, the characteristic of people who are a little bit codependent. They continue to need, 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 need more attention. Yeah. And they always let that other person have the power. It's not to say submissives are that way. I'm just saying it's it's a trait. <laughs> I should clarify that. So those are interesting uh, words, don't you think? Yeah. Love can be not always happy, happy, joy, joy. No can be torturous. All right, moving along to the outro. Well, I hope you enjoyed my toilet story, and I hope you enjoyed the passages from Story of O. This is definitely not a story for everybody. It's just, you know, December, I wanted to sort of get away from all the internet and the computers and the, the phones and all that stuff and just go back to literature and see if I could find something that was kind of juicy. Yeah, there's some juicy bits in there. Uh, it's definitely not for everybody, and there are parts in it that I don't really care for. But there are some parts that are really interesting, like those passages that I read to you, because I'm always very intrigued by codependency and people um, allowing somebody to have so much power over them. I'm always intrigued by that whole concept power over you just made a connection there um just like <laughs> the addiction has the power over you it has the power over you as long as you say it does as long as you say it does and the day you say it doesn't is the day that you grow and you change and you transform so listen to this. I love this quote. This is from drop underscore the underscore bottle underscore. Watch how much your life improves when you shift your mindset from broken and helpless to healing and growing. And I would have to say, I'm not broken. I'm not helpless. I might bitch and vent a little bit sometimes, <laughs> but I'm definitely in the healing and the growing stage for sure. For sure, hands down. 
What is that famous quote from The Wizard of Oz? Oh, goodness. I have to find this. Something like, you've always had the power. You, I will find it one of these days, but it's true. You have always had the power. You just have to realize it. And you cannot let fear stop you. Do not do it. Pray to the porcelain gods, right? (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Have a good night. And I'll catch you at the next, I was going to say at the next reading. Well, maybe that's appropriate. I used to say that when I was doing um, the readings for Dangerous Liaisons, which I did stop. Some of you are probably wondering. Nobody sent me a message, so that tells me it was a good decision to stop that book. But I will catch you at the next episode. Have a beautiful night.